This is the world in brief from the Economist. Our top stories. Countries are failing to meet their climate commitments, according to a report released on Wednesday ahead of COP27, the UN summit in Egypt in November. The UN's climate body found that only 24 out of 193 countries increased their ambitions this year, despite all promising they would. If countries come good on their current pledges, the world will warm by roughly 2.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels by 2100, with disastrous consequences. Meanwhile, The Lancet, a medical journal, found that climate change compounds health risks through hunger, heat-related illnesses, and infectious disease. Heat-related deaths in people over 65 have increased by two-thirds in 20 years. Britain's new government delayed the announcement of its fiscal plan, which will have to save £40 billion, $46 billion, until November 17th. Meanwhile, the head of the Debt Management Office, Sir Robert Steeman, told MPs that the turmoil in gilt markets seen after the recently ousted government promised a raft of ill-fated tax cuts, now reversed, was, without a shadow of a doubt, caused by domestic factors and not global tremors, as some ministers had suggested. Russia held its first major nuclear drill since it invaded Ukraine, which simulated a retaliatory strike and was supervised by President Vladimir Putin via video link. A day earlier, America's President, Joe Biden, warned that deploying tactical nuclear weapons would be an incredibly serious mistake. Separately, Ukrainian media reported that bodies of around 1,000 people had been exhumed in territories liberated in the northeast of the country. Gunmen killed at least 15 people and injured another 40 in an attack on a Shia shrine in Shiraz, a city in northern Iran. State media described the assailants as Sunni terrorists. Meanwhile, security forces clashed with crowds honoring Masa Amini's tomb in her Kurdish hometown of Sakez. Her death in police custody 40 days ago triggered widespread and ongoing protests against Iran's theocratic rulers. Dutch media reported that China has been running at least two undeclared police stations used to muzzle Chinese dissidents in the Netherlands on Tuesday. According to Safeguard Defenders, a Spanish-based NGO, the Chinese government has established 54 such overseas operations, ostensibly to offer diplomatic services such as renewing driver's licenses. The Dutch foreign ministry called these centers illegal and promised to take appropriate action. Alphabet reported lower-than-expected quarterly results. Revenues at Google's parent company rose by 6% year-over-year, to $69.1 billion. That is the slowest growth rate in two years and comes amid a pullback in digital ad spending. Ad sales at YouTube, its video-sharing platform, declined compared with the same period in 2021. 
Microsoft's revenues grew by nearly 11% through sales at its cloud computing unit, slightly missed expectations. America, Japan, and South Korea warned there would be an unparalleled scale of response should North Korea conduct a nuclear test. Kim Jong-un's regime last conducted a nuclear weapons test in 2017, and the three allies worry it may now be preparing for another. It has launched an unprecedented number of missiles this year. And fact of the day. 30 million, roughly the number of lives lost in interstate wars in the last 200 years. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A superficial rebound for America's economy. Technically, it will look great. Data on Thursday are expected to show that in the third quarter of the year, America's GDP growth accelerated to about 3% on an annualized basis. That will mark a sharp rebound after contractions in both the first and second quarters. The Democrats and Joe Biden will no doubt be grateful for positive headlines about the economy less than two weeks ahead of midterm elections, even if they will probably still face a drubbing at the ballot box. Viewed in more detail, the economic picture is less reassuring. Arithmetically, strong imports were a drag on GDP at the start of the year. More recently, imports have weakened, reflecting a more sluggish domestic demand. Counterintuitively, that makes GDP growth appear stronger now, since fewer American dollars are going abroad. That does not mean that America is in a recession yet, but it does signal that it is losing steam. Putin's Propaganda Parlay The Valdai Discussion Club began in 2004 as a Russian version of the Davos Conference of Global Bigwigs. Its mission was, mostly, to convince Western elites to invest in Russia. Those days are long gone. When President Vladimir Putin addresses the meeting in Moscow on Thursday, it will be to attack the West and to foretell its downfall. Last year, Mr. Putin treated attendees to a wide-ranging three-hour-long discussion in which he lambasted Western liberalism and praised obscure Russian nationalist philosophers. This year's talk is likely to be similar. The conference's theme, A Post-Hegemonic World, Security and Justice for Everyone, is central to Russian propaganda, which presents Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine as an effort to free the world from Western domination. The audience's pre-approved questions are unlikely to rattle him. In a version leaked to Ukrainian media, the first asks whether Mr. Putin agrees that the ideology of the Russian state is the ideology of Russian victory. The ECB grapples with a rate decision. The European Central Bank's top brass convene in Frankfurt on Thursday to decide how much to raise interest rates. It will be a difficult call. Three important economic indicators all point in different directions. The key number is the Eurozone's inflation rate, which soared to 9.9% in September, far above the bank's 2% target. 
That calls for a steep rate rise. But data on economic sentiment suggest a screeching downturn is underway, especially in gas-hungry Germany. That calls for a rate cut. A final consideration is wage growth. Employers and workers have struck mostly moderate agreements, providing no reason for rate increases. Germany's chemical industry, for example, has increased salaries by 3.25%, as well as giving handouts to compensate for inflation. With energy prices falling thanks to a warm autumn in Europe, the ECB may decide to go soft this time. That could mean a smaller rate rise than the widely predicted 0.75 percentage points. Credit Suisse unveils its survival plan. On Thursday, Credit Suisse will follow a handful of banks in reporting its third quarter results. But more attention will be paid to the bank's strategy to recover after a recent string of risk management and compliance disasters. It incurred hits ranging from $1.7 billion with the collapse of Greensill, a lender, to more than $5 billion when Arkagos, a hedge fund, went bust last year. This month, the bank had to cough up even more painful fines in America, linked to its residential mortgage-backed securities business and France, to settle a money laundering case. Adding to the turmoil, its top management ranks have been in a state of flux. Tijan Tiam quit in 2020 after the bank admitted to spying on former staff. His successor, Thomas Gottstein, was replaced in August this year with Ulrich Korner, a restructuring expert. Mr. Korner may well be able to whip the venerable firm back into shape. He will need to convince financial markets of his determination to do so. The Populist's Guide to Getting Ahead The memoir of Benjamin B.B. Netanyahu is published in Britain on Thursday, following its release in America and Israel last week. Now the leader of Israel's opposition, Mr. Netanyahu was the country's longest-serving prime minister, until he was ousted in 2021. In Bibi, My Story, he recounts his rise up the ranks and 15 years in office. Other power-hungry populists will find plenty of tips. These include play up existential threats to your country, don't be afraid to spar with America, exploit voters' greatest fears, and bash the elite, even if they don't exist. But Mr. Netanyahu's motivation for picking up a pen is not altruistic. Instead, he wants to convince the world that Israel must remain strong and unyielding in the face of Iran's nuclear program and Palestinians' demands. And he wants to persuade Israeli voters that he is the only man who can ensure this, and that they must therefore re-elect him prime minister in the election due on November 1st. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday. 
to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which American swimmer was the star of a series of aqua musicals in the late 1940s and early 1950s? Wednesday. Which Supreme Court justice died in September 2020? Finally, here's the quote of the day from François Mitterrand, who was born on this day in 1916. The youth are not always right, but the society which ignores and beats them is always wrong. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.